Welcome to Flip the Switch on Life podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marie. I'm an embodiment life coach here to help you live an empowered and soulful life. I guide women towards self-healing to take back their power so that they can start living life by their own rules and embrace their true authenticity. This podcast is your go-to where I will be giving you all the tools and resources to start the process of self-healing, doing the deep inner work, and developing your spiritual wellness. There is so much power in embodying your true self, but we often allow fear and comfortability control our lives keep us playing small and settling for less than we deserve. By learning to rewire your subconscious, you will discover your truest and your highest self. You will learn how to take back control and flip the switch on your life. So thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the episode. Hello everyone. Oh, I am full of energy because this episode was amazing. You guys are going to get so many nuggets. Um, But first I want to say that I have a very special guest. Her name is Miss Dorsey and she is the CEO of Mastermind, which is a Dallas-based corporate wellness firm. And it's really powerful because Dorsey's story isn't just the typical corporate ladder that you think. She actually left what she was originally doing, which was mechanical engineering and became a neuroscientist and wanted to become a wellness expert because she was actually finding herself through yoga. Um, She leads a science-based wellness program for hundreds of companies like Staples, Toyota, American Airlines. She also holds a master's degree in cognitive neuroscience from the University of Texas and a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. And her teachings really draw on her training as a teacher of mindfulness-based stress reduction through a deep meditative experience that she went on, which was a seven-day silent retreat. Um, So she's learned from the best of the best and through her personal journey that you're about to hear today, she talks about not leading with her heart at first and she talks about doing the things that she thought she was supposed to do to have success and then through her story, she's going to be dropping some powerful nuggets for a lot of you who are still trying to figure out your purpose, who are trying to deepen your purpose and, and really come to this place of what does success actually mean for me? Dorsey just dives super deep into her own experience with her mental health, with her mission and impact that she wants to make with Mastermind. And at the end of this episode, she's going to lead us through a three-minute meditation that you guys are going to absolutely love that you can do at any time, anywhere. So stay tuned for this episode. Hi, Dorsey. So excited to have you here. How are you doing today? Hey, Jessica. I'm doing really well and also grateful to get this opportunity to connect with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And uh, just a little background, uh, Dorsey and I connected probably like a few months ago in person. She was probably one of the first people I met in Dallas, and we just had really great connection and had a lot of common interests. So I'm so excited to bring you in here and just talk about your story and you know, what you're creating, what your focus is right now. And um, I'd love to just kind of start the conversation with that. Like, just tell us more about you and a little bit of your journey of, of becoming the CEO of Mastermind, which is a Dallas-based uh, corporate wellness firm. Yeah, of course, Jessica. And, you know, I really enjoyed meeting you at La La Land Cafe, one of my local favorites in Dallas. Avocado toast lattes are so good. And, um, you know, I loved meeting you and it's always a trip for me because when I was just starting out on this journey of trying to figure out how I could make a living with my passion for wellness, I would do just what you did. I would take people out to lunch or coffee and I would say, how did you do it? And so when I have an opportunity, like being on this podcast or chatting with you a few months ago to kind of look back and look at my journey, it's really affirming and exciting that I've made this work because I quit my corporate job. I was working at Texas Instruments as a design engineer and program manager and In the summer of 2016, I was so passionate about the wellness work I was doing for free for other women at TI, and I knew I had to make a living doing it. I didn't know how, but I knew I had to get out of the corporate space and into this wellness world. And 
it's been a really long, difficult journey to get where I am now, even to have you introduce me, oh, a CEO of a corporate wellness firm. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and even just celebrate the fact that I'm making a living doing this work. Because when I quit my corporate job in 2016, I just remember the looks on my parents' faces, like mechanical engineering to yoga and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? And it, you know, people saw my passion and luckily I've been able to find a great way to mix in my high performance type A background with my scientific training and get a master's in neuroscience and study more deeply into mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction and kind of have those formal credentials that back up the work I get to do in corporate wellness today. But there's been a lot of hard work, a lot of uncertainty, and definitely moments of, should I go back to the corporate world or should I just give up and do something else? So just conversations like this are so fun for me because um, it's an opportunity to share my journey and maybe inspire some other folks to take that leap and follow their heart instead of just doing what they think they should do with their lives. Yeah. I want to stop you there really quick and interject because I think so. I just want to like harp on this because I think it's so important exactly what you said of like following a passion versus what society thinks we should do. It's like you have all this education being a mechanical engineer, working for this corporate company. And then on the side, you're doing something maybe you deeply really want to do, but you're like, oh my God, like you're right. Like coming to corporate to yoga, like how does that translate? And it's like, can I make a living out of that? And I think like I can relate so deeply because I came from a corporate place I went to school for and I started working there and I'm like, okay, so like what now? Because I don't really like what I'm doing. Is that wrong? I started questioning myself and then getting into the coaching space, which is like you exactly said, very unfamiliar, very uncertain. And it's like, but there's something pulling me to do that, to help and serve other people. And I love that because I just know exactly this conversation is going to be so heartfelt and heart centered in that space of really following your truth, following what really lights you up. So I just really wanted to like emphasize that for anybody listening to it's like, it's okay to change your career multiple times. If that feels like you're still figuring it out and it's okay to still figure it out, but keep listening to that because this episode is going to be so powerful for, you know, Dorsey from where you've been to where you are now. And I think it just kind of gives us a little bit more of this, like, permission, if you will, to be like, there is so much possibility when you start believing in yourself and you just start taking action. So I just wanted to say that, but continue on with your, with your journey <laughs> and, and how you yeah. got to that place. I'm so glad that you highlighted that Jessica. And I want to kind of piggyback on that and just mention that for the first 25 years of my life, I did exactly what I, someone quote unquote should do, you know, like I, I took math and science classes. My, my parents said I would get into a better school if I did engineering as a woman. So I did mechanical engineering super hard. I went to an Ivy league university. I worked really hard, um, got that good internship at Texas instruments in Dallas, and then started that job. And I was just so focused in my early twenties on climbing the corporate ladder. And even outside of kind of career and education specifically, I've always been that type A, um, kind of performance minded person. And mm -hmm. in college I did club water polo. I competed in triathlons, like just everything was very intense and there was no balance to that kind of go, go, go lifestyle that you mentioned. And ironically, it was actually in college when I was training for a triathlon and totally overtrained. I hurt my, my quad muscle. And the only thing my doctor would let me do was go to yoga. <laughs> It's like, oh my gosh. So that was like your introduction to yoga. Wow. It was. I always say that yoga was my gateway drug into mindfulness and meditation wow. because if I hadn't been able to get in through the door of my body and moving, I don't know that I ever would have been able to sit still. But that was 2011. And my first yoga class was so painful. I still remember it was like 7 a.m. at the gym in cold, rainy Philadelphia. And my hamstrings were so tight. I couldn't get into downward facing dog. Like holding down dog felt like the <laughs> biggest workout. And I just hated it, but there was something in me. Like you talk about that pull and that heart tug. There was something in me that reminded me that all the best things in life are usually hard at first. And I still, to this day, kind of lean in when I feel a challenge or something I don't like, I love to try it again and question, you know, why am I resisting this? Cause there's probably something I need to learn from it. So 
as is my kind of intense nature, I went totally obsessive into yoga, <laughs> like go every day all around Philadelphia wow, um, and really totally into power yoga and like not necessarily mindfulness or meditative yoga at first, but that okay. was my first introduction to, um, to slowing down, to sinking the mind, the body and the breath. And I continued yoga um, into my early twenties, even as I was working this high powered career at Texas instruments. Um, I trained to be a yoga teacher in 2013. And, uh, when I was 25, I spent my 25th birthday in Taiwan launching this product for TI. And it's just so funny because from the outside looking in my life looked so like I was on the right track, right? I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm traveling. I'm young. I'm a platinum on American airlines or whatever, <laughs> traveling so much for TI and like, Oh, I did yoga and I was vegetarian. Like it just, all these outer things looked good, mm-hmm. but on the inside, I was not doing well. I was having really serious mental health challenges that were, um, really heightened by, the international travel and the work stress of launching a product. I wasn't sleeping well. I was working really long hours, not getting a lot done, um, relying on caffeine and stimulants. And just like, you know, again, like from the outside looking in, I look quote unquote productive. I think in our society, a lot of times we equate motion and movement with productivity, but that's not always the case, right? We can move a lot, not really get anything done. So that was me. And what happened in the spring of 2015, right after, like in the midst of this product launch is I was sitting on my therapist's couch in April and she said to me, you know, Dorsey, you're talking really fast and you don't like, you don't seem like yourself. Like we need to get you to see a psychiatrist and you need to take some time off of work. And it Mm -hmm. started this whole journey and you know, to this day, I was initially diagnosed with bipolar two disorder. I don't think that that's accurate. I think there were a lot of things going on that, that contributed, um, to me having that diagnosis, but what it did is that diagnosis woke me up. I was forced to take, um, over eight weeks off of work and work had been everything in my life. So it was this huge vacuum and this opportunity for me to sit with myself and not sit with myself in yoga where there's movement, right? Like sit with myself in stillness for the first time. And I decided pretty quickly that if doctors were going to prescribe me medication and, you know, tell me to do these things that I wanted to be an active participant in my recovery and my achievement of mental health. And so I started researching stress resilience and mental health and landed on meditation, which is not unfamiliar being a yoga teacher, right? That Shavasana piece slash, we know that some people believe that all the yoga asanas or postures are designed to help us be able to sit for long periods of time in stillness in meditation. Right. But I had been conveniently ignoring that fact. And so, um, so really quick question. So when you became certified in yoga teacher, did you start practicing it actively or like, what was your intention of like becoming certified to teach yoga? Yeah. So I, um, I, I was practicing yoga daily. Um, I loved yoga. I was obsessed with it. I went to uptown yoga here in Dallas and they have an incredible program and teacher training program. And I was also teaching, community classes. So, um, for, for my certification, I was required to teach at least 10 hours. And I taught those hours at Texas instruments for the women's initiative. So I held these classes after work, um, where women could just drop in for free and practice. And I started in 2013 and I never stopped except for the time when I was traveling or off work. So I had that practice of teaching. My experience is that teaching is really different when when, when I now have this place of stillness and resilience and strength inside of me that I can tap into teaching is really different because I'm sharing that with other people. But back when I first started teaching yoga, I remember, I still tell my certification students in mindfulness now that I would pray no one would show up because I didn't want to teach because I was (laughs) I've been there because you're like, Oh my God, now I have to like do a good job. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, that's exactly right. Just go like do a good job. And that whole kind of perfection and performance versus being present with people. And that's been a paradox that I continue to explore today in the work that I do facilitating. But for me, when I made that commitment 
um, in the spring of 2015 to explore mindfulness it became a daily meditation practice of just a few minutes a day. It gave me access to something that was grounded and stable and steady within myself that I hadn't touched into before. And from that point on, just those few minutes a day changed my life so much. It changed my teaching eventually, obviously. And I've shifted more into that mindful meditation space as a facilitator. Um, but having that daily stillness practice in addition to movement practices has really changed the way that I show up in my teaching, in my work, in my life. I'm not perfect. I, you know, get amygdala hijacked just like everyone else and lose my temper with my son or my partner, um, or have bad days. But the difference is now I don't feel out of control or like there's no place to come home to. I know there's a place mm -hmm. I can come home to within myself at any time. Oh my gosh. I love that. And the reason why I asked was because when you mentioned you started to go to therapy and things were kind of, your, your therapist was noticing something was off. Something that's coming up for me is, you know, with you being a yoga teacher, how did that play or not play into the diagnosis that you, you got? And when you were forced to take off eight hour, eight weeks of work. Yeah, I know, you know, you would think <laughs> that being but a yoga teacher. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, it's so true because I think sometimes, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I think sometimes it's like, you know, we, we preach something, but if we're not embodying it, sometimes things can get a little messy. And I've definitely been in, in certain sit or in situations where I'm like, wow, I practice, I'm teaching this, but am I actually practicing what I preach? So yeah, I always, it's so funny. I always say to my partner, I remind her that I teach because I need to hear what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. it's not that I'm perfect or I'm perfectly embodying everything that I'm sharing, but I do feel like I'm on the path with the people that I'm sharing this with. And there's an integrity there that wasn't there for me. Um, even as a yoga teacher, right? I still had a lot of vices um, since I've been sober for four years now. It's 2022. I got sober in 2018. So there was a, a time of me using substances to change the way I feel, even though I'm outwardly saying, oh, use your breath or <laughs> do these stretches to calm down, right? So for me, it's been a big journey of getting into integrity with myself and how I'm showing up. I can't speak for anyone else's journey, but I do know that just getting a certificate to teach yoga or mindfulness doesn't necessarily mean that we're deeply in touch with ourselves or that we're enlightened or at our kind of peak level of presence. I believe that this, this path is a journey, not a destination as cheesy as it is. And it was really? the yoga training and the introduction into meditation. All those things contributed into me stepping more deeply into who I really am and being authentic with myself. Mm, it's, it's just, I want to like completely validate that because people don't talk about that, right? They say that you do this, you do that, and then you're on this path, but the total truth and transparency, especially being an entrepreneur and, or someone who just values continued education, whether that is for your, your, your work and your career, or if you are someone who owns your own business, right. You have to consistently educate yourself. Right. And I really value that, but there were times I totally agree that I, I was chasing certification after certification, thinking I'm going to get more clients thinking that, oh, if I have this background, people are going to want to talk to me and work with me. And then coming back to, am I actually embodying the lessons of what this is encompassing? And yeah, I think sometimes I, I know that sometimes life gives us opportunities to really instill that within ourselves coming back to, right? Like you can have all the certifications or you can be you know, you think about that, right? Like being a yoga teacher, like that takes a specific person to desire to go into that journey and being a meditation, 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 meditation teacher, such a specific discipline and type of person. Right. So it's like coming back to that place of, you know, asking yourself why you're doing that and, and what the purpose is, but always acknowledging, I feel like as we grow and, and gain more wisdom and learn from our lessons, there's always something new to take from like what we've experienced and in being in that place of just being honest of like, you know, I wasn't necessarily fully embodying it. And that's kind of where I, 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 you know, universe, God, source, spirit, whatever you choose to, to, to really reference, 
gave you an opportunity for you to be like, okay, Dorsey, we are going to actually sit with ourselves and really sink into what we just went through. And it's like, how can you start being into that space and being and becoming that person? I can definitely relate so much to that. And, and just like, you know, we always, I think there's always something new to take from our life and healing comes in layers. I think, I think things that we do in our life come in layers, right. And we're able, as we continue growing older and getting more wise, we get to take a new lesson from that. So that's really powerful. So, okay. So you got that diagnosis. You, you had to take off eight weeks of work. What did you do? Like, how did you navigate that? Cause even thinking about that for me gives me anxiety. <laughs> Right. I mean, my whole life was work and I would like, I'd come home from work and I'd like sit at the kitchen table and do work while I had dinner or whatever. I mean, it was like, I got such a sense of validation from work and I had to start getting that from elsewhere and start filling my time. And I remember I, during that time I started painting, I started journaling, I started meditating, doing all these creative things to start to kind of rediscover who I was and really create a life for myself is kind of the wording that I used because I didn't have a life. I had a job, <laughs> mm. but I didn't have a rich, you know, friendship. Like, like I knew people at the yoga studio, but there was so much in a well-rounded life that was missing for me. And mindfulness gave me that connection with myself that helped me start to get that back. And I want to just, you know, emphasize what you just said, Jessica, about the outer work versus the inner work, right? Like I got that yoga certification in 2013. So that's a credential, but that time I had to sit with myself in 2015 was like the inner work. There was no certification that I got for that, but that (laughs) deep, dark time of being with myself that really shaped who I am today and why I do the work that I do. Because when that happened to me, I felt totally alone having this mental health issue that was in part caused by work. I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't feel comfortable really talking about the mental health struggles that I was having. And so the work that I do now at mastermind and ever since then I've worked to do is to bring the mental health conversation into the light and give people practical, proactive strategies that they can do to take care of themselves, whether they're experiencing acute mental health challenges, or maybe they wake up in the middle of the night feeling anxious about a project due the next day, and they just need to get back to sleep, right? But I think our society teaches us, and I had always believed this for the first 25 years of my life, that if I had a problem, I had to turn outwards. Like, mm-hmm. what does that doctor tell me I need? I need to take this medicine. I need to go to this class. And I never had learned to turn inwards. And so mm-hmm. that's what I learned to do. And that's what I love to invite people to do in my classes today is just teach them that, yes, there are these amazing outer tools that we have, and you can develop an inner toolkit to build stress resilience and to surf the waves of life, whatever comes your way. Oh. Oh my God. So much to say about that. That's so true. Like we're so taught as a society to, and maybe even our our caregivers and our parents instill that into us, but it's like always like seeking outside for, for pro uh, to get our answers. And it's like, until you turn inwards and really get clear on like what you want, what your goals are, what you want that answer to look like, you know, I don't think we can really start seeking the truth. And I think that's just like, it's just so powerful to really come back to in that space of really honing into doing that inner work and really getting still and coming back to a mindfulness practice, whether that be journaling, meditation, reading, or even surrounding yourself in a community where you can just talk about your feelings. Cause that is very helpful too. even having a friend or a mentor or something. Um, I, I think that's so powerful. So after that eight weeks happened, you, I'm assuming things kind of completely changed for you where you, you just felt like a whole different person. And did you perceive work different? Like what kind of got you into working at mastermind, right? Because you were an employee there and then you took over the company. Yeah. So I, when I came back from my eight weeks off, it ended up, I was part-time for a while. It ended up being about three months total. When I came back, people would say things to me like, Oh, you've been gone like three weeks, right? Like they had no perception of time. It's like, and I realized everyone's on this treadmill of the next product launch, the next email to send the next thing to do. And 
I didn't want to be a cog in a wheel anymore. I wanted to, to make a difference and to use my unique experience and skill sets to help others. And so I started bringing in mindfulness to the free yoga classes that I was teaching at TI. I did a number of things to try to make the job work for me. I led the TI pride initiative and brought a huge group of TIers to the out and equal conference in Dallas in 2015. I started a new initiative, um, in the, the team that I was working in. I did everything I could to make the job work for me now having this mindfulness practice and being more in touch with what I needed to really feel like I was expressing myself and making a difference. And after about a year, so summer 2016, I knew that I had tried everything and I couldn't do it anymore. And, um, I actually gave a mindfulness workshop to the women's initiative at TI in June of 2016. And I had all these executives and leaders put their phones in a little basket, like when they walked into the room, oh my I God, that's great. <laughs> attention for an hour. And I didn't have any formal training in mindfulness yet. I talked about my journey. I presented a table of different apps and kind of encouraged people to share. And I led a little practice and it was the first time I've ever experienced what I now know is peak state or flow state where you lose track mm. of time and I just felt like that was what I was meant to be doing. So I gave my notice a week later and I was wow. like, this is what I'm going to do again. No, like I jumped off the cliff without a parachute. I didn't even have Jessica, a job lined up. Like I didn't even have one yoga class at a studio outside. You that just I was felt teaching so at. deeply. Like I can't do this anymore. I can't live this like double life in a way. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, I really don't recommend that because it was, I always tell people and my teachers have told me this too, you know, don't quit your day job until you at least have something lined up that can support you and give you motivation to keep going. But I took about a year to struggle through different yoga jobs. I mean, I went from making a tech living to making $25, $75 a week, teaching a few yoga classes. And I had a lot of savings and I had a lot of passion but it wasn't enough. And, um, and at the beginning of 2017, I was seriously considering going back into the corporate world. Didn't know what to do. I read this book called designing your life, which is still one of my favorite books. And it basically invites you to design different versions of your life, doing different things. Mm -hmm. So one of them was like moved. One of my ideas was move to Colorado and get a tech job there. So I could work play better. Another one was move to India and live in an ashram and just go totally in on meditation. Then this third path was work in the corporate wellness space. And I reached out to this one person that I knew who was doing what I was doing, Melissa Marks Garner. And she happened to work at mastermind at the time. So we went out to lunch and she said, let me connect you with this amazing woman, Chelsea Charbonneau. She's running this company called mastermind in Dallas. They yeah. are. Yep. I know her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea's amazing. And yeah. so I auditioned with Chelsea and, um, Brennan at mastermind in a month later, and then was pretty quickly teaching regular studio classes with mastermind. And I stumbled into this perfect fit, right? Cause the whole premise behind mastermind is we're a gym for your brain. We are scientific. Mm -hmm. Every class I got to quote some research study was like my nerds dream come true. <laughs> I, got to <laughs> I love people that. captive and like tell them some science thing and, um, and then take them through a practice. And it was at mastermind that I first saw the magic of holding space for people to be still just like I had to do myself in 2015 of bringing in that scientific element to appeal to a broader audience and really sharing these practices in this secular way of, Hey, we're all human and this is how your brain works. And here are some things that can help you. And so I started off as a teacher, um, Chelsea left to move on to other things within a few months, my being there. And so I took over operations and, um, did a lot of the mindfulness curriculums and speaking work for mastermind over the next few years. And the business went through a lot of changes. We moved from being a physical brick and mortar studio to doing pop-up events. And eventually the two women who started the business, you know, they weren't meditators themselves. They weren't necessarily passionate about doing the work. They just wanted a place to meditate. They wanted their company mm. to have mindfulness resources. They saw this as the way of the future. And so in 2020, um, we agreed that I would take over financial responsibility for the business and, you know, be responsible, obviously for all the expenses and the costs, and also have the opportunity to bring in all the revenues that I could with different projects, different events. 
And, you know, I said 2020, right? So three months into that of like, oh, I have my own business. (laughs) The pandemic hits and that was another crazy ride that actually turned out to be a big blessing in disguise because we've been able to take the business virtual. We reach companies all over the country, all over the world now. Um, It wasn't necessarily a smooth transition, but the pandemic has opened so many doors for us. Mm -hmm. We started developing on-demand mindfulness resources so people can train and practice with us anywhere they are in the world, in any time zone, um, regardless of whether there's a live class at that time. So we, you know, from my taking over the business, I actually about doubled the revenue that first year, again, like connecting my passion, um, with the direct benefit of having it be kind of my baby and my business and being able to take it in the directions that I wanted. And since then, um, have continued to grow, hired more contractors, more support, Um, and I'm in a stage right now of working with a business coach and continuing to delegate and empower other mindfulness facilitators so that I'm not just a one woman show. Like it's, it's like, do you have a business or do you have a job if you're doing everything yourself? Right. So the stage of, of life and of business I'm in right now is how can I be a strategic leader for the company? How can I be a visionary of where we're headed? What's the future of mental health, especially in the corporate world and how can I empower and excite other facilitators who maybe just like me and wanting to, you know, they're pulled like with their heartstrings to make a difference and share these practices and to empower them with how we do things at mastermind. That's been really successful in the corporate world and help them to reach these audiences with the messages that really matter to them. Mm, that's so beautiful. And thank you for just like giving us all the details of like your journey and kind of where you started and just having this like really deep pull to, so like when you were an employee there, did you see yourself taking over the company or like, like what was your, like, and I'm asking this because I think for a lot of us, especially people who are just starting businesses or people who just feel like they have like a really big mission, like did your purpose evolve as you were working there saying like, oh my gosh, like I can see where the trajectory of this company can go. And did you kind of just like put that into the universe and obviously having like the strategy there, or was it just like, it kind of came to you and you were like, oh, okay, this is my purpose. This is like the impact I'm meant to make. Yeah, Jessica, I wish I could say <laughs> that the moment I walked in the door, I knew <laughs> you're like, this I is it. Yeah. I had no idea, honestly, like to this day, I have sometimes have to remind myself, right. That my goal is no longer to make a living doing this work, but that is literally how I operated since I quit TI in 2016 until probably middle of 2020 is the first time I was completely financially independent, not dipping into savings and supporting Mm. myself. So literally took four full years. And so it's really easy for me to slip back into the mentality that I had when I first came across mastermind in 2017 of, oh my gosh, there's potential here for me to do what I love and support myself. I didn't have broader, bigger plans than that. Other than when there were opportunities available, like when Chelsea stepped away, I stepped up and I said, oh my gosh, Mm. that's additional income that I can use like impact I can make. Yeah. you know, looking back, I I think I spent that first year off. It was really amazing. I got to go do a road trip home and spend time with family, but there's that cheesy saying, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I don't think I had enough going on and enough exciting things and passion projects and areas to throw my energy into. And something that mastermind gave me was movement and collaboration. I've always been a people person and I wasn't very well fit to do it on my own. So mastermind gave me this platform, gave me like-minded people to collaborate with, and it gave me project ideas and momentum. And I do feel like having a certain amount of things that we're excited about doing really contributes to our overall productivity and our ability to be creative and, and make new connections. I love that. And, and thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes you know, I've myself, like they always say, like, focus on the big picture and you'll never get lost. And I think sometimes like when we're, you know, looking to follow our heart and lead with our heart and live an unconventional life, right? 
it's like, okay, well, what if I lose the big picture? Like, what is like, I'm too focused on the now. And it's, it's really, I think, empowering to hear when it's like, you're really recognizing what you need. You're really focusing on your purpose. You're dialed in with like what the impact you want to make, but you're at a place where it can be flexible and, and can kind of mold into where you are right now and how that can kind of lead the path that you're meant to lead down. Because I mean, I don't know if you like ever visually saw yourself as like a CEO of a company or you just were kind of like you said, I'm trying to make a living doing what I love. And then it just transitioned into something so beautiful where it's like you're now being able to collaborate, connect with um, tons of people. You're able to do all like the like you said, the um, logistical things that you really enjoy doing, which is in your background. And at the end of the day, you get to lead a company that is full of mindfulness. So I think that's just so important to highlight for people listening. It's like having that passion, that purpose leading with your heart, but like knowing that the vision can change, just hold on to the purpose and the impact you want to make and just take it in the avenues that are presented to you and put yourself into places where you can get those opportunities. Um, And something I kind of want to transition to into now is, you know, coming back to, you know, now you, like you said, in 2020 is like when you really became stable, you were not dipping into your savings. You're really making like, okay, this is the lifestyle I'm creating. This is the career I'm now choosing. Holy crap. This is my real reality, which is amazing. Um, But tell us a little bit more of like, like what does success feel like to you and like your own definition by it? And I want to ask another question of, you know, what is your big mission and impact with, with, with mastermind? Yeah, these are great questions. And I have to admit, sometimes I can be so analytical and engineering minded that I don't even trust myself to like step into that big picture of dreaming Mm -hmm. and what's possible. So a lot of my work that I've done with my business coach is stepping into that visionary and leadership role. And I know that for me today, um, my personal aim or what lights me up is to be in a place of joy and connection with other people and to be using my skill sets in a way that I can engineer creative solutions for people that make a difference, right? So right and left brain coming together. And that's the statement that I get to look at every morning and think, okay, how am I going to be joyful and connected today? How can Mm -hmm. I, even if it's something I don't want to do, like talk to a contractor about how her talk could have been better or something like that. It's like, how can I look at that as I'm engineering a creative solution to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And so for me doing this work with a coach to have that clear aim of what lights me up and makes me happy has allowed me to filter a lot of the things that I do during the day through that lens. And sometimes success for me is as simple as being excited to go to work. Sometimes it's as simple as not yelling at my 11 year old when he does something that annoys me and I maintain a sense of calm and high five my partner. I'm like, yes, these practices are working, right? Um, Sometimes success is being able to plan to sleep in and cuddle with my dog and my cat in the morning because I get to make my own schedule and I get to balance rest with work. Um, I think for me, something that I learned intuitively and have since kind of understood from a research perspective is that a really key skill for us as human beings is the ability to sense how we are internally, right? Like sense our heartbeat, sense our gut reactions, sense how our inner physiology is doing. And this is almost like akin to gut wisdom or that gut reaction to something. And what I've learned is that when I am in alignment with myself. Things feel good in my body. Like coming onto this podcast interview, I'm excited to do it. And I can tell that this is a full body. Yes. As a phrase you might hear. Literally that's exactly the only way (laughs) I I usually say full body F yes, but I always (laughs) tell clients and people and myself, if it's not a full body, yes, you're not meant to do it. It's coming. Like you said, the, the mindset, but also what, what are the reactions going on in your body? Because they literally are a reflection of like what we're feeling before we even know it. Yeah. There's actually a part of the brain called the insula that governs our ability to sense inside of us. It's right above the ears between the frontal and temporal lobes. 
And the insula is one area that can be more developed with the meditation practice. Not surprisingly, right. Wow. We're spending time and quiet. We're sensing our body through practices like breathing or body scanning. And so for me, when I used to, you know, at age 25 is like, I'm just doing this thing that society and my parents told me I should do. And mm-hmm. I think it's making me happy versus now I get to know deeply, like you said, that full body connection of yes, this is success to me. This is what makes me happy. This is actually not in alignment with what I want to do. And it's not like I'm perfectly in tune with that all the time, right? We all go out of balance and come back in. Right. But again, it's like, I have that toolkit and that sense of being able to connect with myself. And so as much as it's easy as a business owner to get caught up in the numbers or the revenue growth or what this employee thinks of you, like really coming back home to that inner alignment is how I like to define success for myself. Oh, I love that. I think, no, I know. I feel deeply that that's just such a big part of success is not just, you know, the tangible, the external, but also like, how are you feeling with like what you're doing, who you're speaking to, who you're working with. Right. And really coming back to, um, that moral compass, I like to call it as well of like really knowing like, okay, this feels good. And it might be tough right now. Like you said, it took you four years to finally get into a place where like things were moving for you and you were stable, like had stability in your finances logistically and possibly even, you know, the emotional component, right? Like I'm stable, I'm making a difference. So I think it's like, even though we're in the messiness, the yuckiness, the stickiness, sometimes it's like really coming back to like, is this a full body? Yes. Is this getting me to- closer to like my goal or to what success can feel like and, and coming back to defining it for yourself. I think that's just so important. Um, whether or not, whatever, whatever you're doing, if, if it's in your relationships, in your career, having a business, any part of your life, is this a full body? Yes. And, and feeling into like what that feels like 100%. Yeah. And you asked one more great question, Jessica was just kind of like, what's my vision for mastermind going forward. And I really see us yes, as a wellness company, but we're also incorporating science, art, and technology, and we're providing services, but we're also consulting with organizations on how to improve their workplace culture, right? How to bring this mental health conversation forward. And ultimately my, my true heartfelt goal is to help each person build their own inner toolkit for mental wellness. Despite Mm -hmm. the ongoing challenges of our current world, can I empower people to know that they can look inwards and have a toolkit for wellness, no matter again, what those waves of life are presenting for them? Do they know that they can turn inwards and find a source of strength within them? And of course, as we look forward and, you know, think about growing the company, when I look at growth, so yes, we look at revenue numbers and things like that, but I also love to look at the number of people that we're touching and impacting. Mm -hmm. So right now we have about a thousand corporate members using our on-demand library. So that's a number that I look at and get really excited that they have access to these practices. We can look at the total number of employees we're touching through live classes and get into the tens of thousands, right? I believe that if we're really going to shift and make the world a happier, healthier, more compassionate place, that that's about expanding our reach, expanding our facilitation team and bringing this mental health conversation forward so that the word mindfulness or, you know, contemplative practice is really synonymous with brain health, with well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look back, um, I read an article talking about how in the 1930s, people who went jogging were looked at as totally crazy right? Like, why are you running? And then in the 1980s, like the whole fitness scene exploded and it became very mainstream. So I feel like that's where we are with, um, with brain training. I think that it will become more and more mainstream. Doesn't mean everyone will do it right. Even today, like about 50% of people exercise. So it's not like everyone's going to start meditating, but as we make these practices, as accessible possible as intuitive and connect with both people's heads and hearts as we're sharing them. Right. So let me give you a brain fact or statistic. And let me tell you a story about my experience and hopefully hitting them head, heart, or both and opening them up to experience that practice that we can offer them. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful and so needed. And 
I think now more than ever, you know, after the pandemic, we need advocates for mental health, for emotional healing, for emotional intelligence, for just really turning inward. I mean, you know, I could go on and on about my story of like how the pandemic made me turn inward and it completely changed everything for me. Meditation is a daily practice, journaling, reading, being around like-minded people, being able to be vulnerable and to be seen, to be witnessed, like all of those different things of just really coming back to working with my brain, working with my emotions, turning inward for answers has just been such a, such a game changer in how I want to show up, who I want to be and really rooting myself into my alignment authenticity. So yes, absolutely. And I think that's just so beautiful, the mission that you're creating and, and holding in that vision. Um, and I know that we planned on you doing a little mini meditation for all of us, which I'm super excited about. So um, I would love if you're ready for it, I'd love you to like lead, lead us through that for anyone who's driving, you know, listen to this, but don't close your eyes, but anybody, you know, come back to this and, and really, really come back to the space of everything Dorsey is really advocating for, which is expanding your not expanding, I guess expanding, but opening your mind to really turning inward to really, even if it's like five minutes a day, just silent, breathe and, and, you know, ask yourself what you're feeling, like what is needed from your body at this moment. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to hand it off to you, Dorsey, if you want to just lead us through a little mini meditation. Yeah. Just because we get into that. I, I want to acknowledge that we'll, we'll also share some links and resources in the show notes to help people with their personal practice. And so many of the things we talked about today, right? Full body as being in alignment with our hearts that unfortunately doesn't just happen when we, you know, turn off the lights and sit in a quiet room, right? Mm -hmm. It's a practice. We have to communicate and connect with ourselves just like we would in any relationship that's important to us. We make time for it. So this is a simple mindful pause practice. You can do it with your eyes open if you want. I call it two feet, one breath or full body breathing. It's a way, I did it before this podcast. It's a way to bring myself fully into the present moment and feel my breath, feel my body, feel my feet on the floor. So whether you're sitting or standing or walking or driving, see if you can get your feet in contact with the floor. And you might, if it feels right, you can soften your gaze if that's safe for you and see if you can wiggle the toes, feel the feet connected to the earth, maybe imagining them growing roots down. And then on your next breath in, imagine you could inhale through the soles of your feet, up through the legs, the torso, and then exhale your breath out of the crown of your head. Do that a few more times. Breathe in through the soles of the feet. Feel the length of the body. And then exhale out the crown. Do this one more time. Breathing in deeply. And breathing out slowly. And in this moment of pause, maybe feeling a greater connection to the earth, to your body, to your breath. Just as Jessica invited, you might notice what's up for you in this moment. Are there sensations or emotions or thoughts that might need some attention, some acknowledgement? Perhaps now you're in a better space to do that, to continue this open line of communication with yourself. And then as you're ready, Inviting you to raise your gaze if it's dropped and start to shift and stretch. Maybe set an intention to continue this connection between your breath and your body, your mind, your heart, right? All of us. We're really, as one of my collaborators in India talks about, he's like, yes, it's mindfulness. It's also wholefulness, right? We're bringing our whole selves together. So whenever I practice, try to bring forth that intention to be whole, to be present with whatever is, even if it's not pleasant, it's so important that we acknowledge and hold space for ourselves, no matter how we are. Ah, that was so nice. And I just did that. And, oh, I feel super relaxed. And something that came up for me was just, relaxing the tension in my shoulders and, and really being more present with my heart and, and my heart rate and just really coming back to like a calm state. 
Um, so thank you so much for that. That was so beautiful. Um, definitely recommend anybody trying that out, even writing that down and doing it on your own of just coming back to that. You called it a body, full breath? body breath or body breath. like two feet. One breath is even if you just have one breath, right. Feel your two feet, take a big breath into your feet, even standing up in front of a room, right. You have time for that. Those yes. <laughs> two feet, one breath, that pause. Yeah. Like in really emphasizing too, is like being a busy person and, and feeling like you're stressed all the time. It's like coming back to, even if you don't feel like you're ready to fully dive inward to the emotions that you're feeling or any, anything of that sort, it's like, can you just be present with like what you're feeling and just, you know, allow yourself to take deeper breaths, whether that is before a presentation, whether that is before a meeting or diving into a deep project. It's like, even honestly, what's been helpful for me and my clients is like setting an alarm to check in with myself like twice a day and doing something similar to that has been such a game changer for me to get into a place of desiring to go deeper with myself. So taking those baby steps and coming back to like communicating with your brain, communicating with your body, and just like trying to calm yourself down, whether that is, you know, from a busy day, coming back to that breath work, right? Um, that's so beautiful. So Dorsey, thank you so much for, for today's conversation. And before I let you go, I'd love to ask you if there's anything that you're working on, any way that we can get um, involved with you. I know that you mentioned you had a couple of things that you're um, launching or a way that we can kind of get more into that meditative state. So yeah, is there anything that we could, we can resource for ourselves and then where can we connect with you? Yeah. Thanks so much, Jessica. So if you liked that little pause, we do a lot of that on our social media channels at mastermind meditate on Instagram and Facebook and at Dorsey Standish as my handle, feel free to add us. And if something spoke to you in this podcast, I'd love to hear personally, if you want to share your story, something you relate to uh, that common humanity, knowing we're not alone is always so powerful. So please feel free to reach out to me. We'll also link to a free mental wellness library that we offer at mastermind has about 20 different meditations of different lengths for you to try out, maybe put into your own inner toolkit for mental wellness. And if any of y'all work at companies that might benefit from something like this, or maybe you are considering the path of the outer work of a formal mindfulness facilitation certification, that's something we also offer at mastermind. I'd love to talk with you about that as well. Mm. Oh, amazing. So everyone go connect with Dorsey, go get your meditation on. It's such <laughs> a game changer. And Dorsey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flip the Switch on Life. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you appreciate the show, please jump over to iTunes, give us some stars. If you're feeling for it, write a review. And if you want to learn more about these topics that we discussed today, check out the show notes for more information, or you can also come hang out, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Instagram is Jessica Marie Step, and I will see you guys next week.